Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 14th, 2021, and today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we're on page 64, the first paragraph. Therefore, we started upon, and we're reading that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Sandy C., for the 12 Traditions, Sam F., and reading the text are Nancy P. and Marge O., and Rick J. is our backup, and the newcomer greeter is Claire E., and the host of the second hour is Esther C. The reference number for Sunday, June 13th, special edition, is 17,144. That's 17144. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sandy C. to read the 12 steps. Thank you. May I be heard? Yes. Thank you. 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy. Okay, I will now ask Sam S. to read the 12 traditions. Thanks, Katie. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Excuse me, anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 64, the first paragraph. Therefore, we started upon, and I will ask Nancy P. to begin reading. Hi, good morning. This is Nancy P. calling in from West Newton, Massachusetts, right next to Boston, recovered today. Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and a fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. Um, I'm outside and without a timer, so if you could just time me. Um, so this begins the unblocking process. Um, you know, we're so far for me, you know, I, I am reading through the steps and um, I would say to anybody who's concerned about um, like not getting it. None of, none of, the only thing that I did in real time in this process was I wrote the fourth step when it said, because it said we write, and then I said the fifth, I read my fifth step because it said we read it. 
Everything else was all jumbled up until after I finished the 11th step. But this process, this, you know, um, writing, this list that I made was the beginning of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, um, the unblocking process that I needed to recover. And so, you know, every business, I've worked in retail when I was in high school, you know, they, at the end of the season, they get rid of the duds or they get rid of even stuff that sold well, that they have odd sizes so that they can make room for new, um, new things. And, you know, this inventory, I tell people, you know, what it is is a way to organize my thinking. You know, everybody, you know, often people talk about, and I myself thought of it, is the fourth step was like a baby that had to be birthed. And that was not the case for me. It did not turn out to be the case for me. Um, I've done many of them. In fact, I went through the big book process before, and I wrote my fourth step six nights a week for one hour for three years. It was 550 pages, and it didn't take. I ate for 13 more years. So clearly... It wasn't for lack of writing that I failed. It was because my thinking didn't change and that I didn't get rid of these things promptly and without regret. And, you know, it, it all boils down to, you know, we're trying to uncover things and discover the truth. And, um, you know, not to steal from the few paragraphs ahead, but to me, what I want to do is I want to uncover this stuff so that I can get rid of it, fact-finding and fact-facing. I don't want to be under any illusions or any delusions about what's on my plate. And, um, and then, you know, Nancy P can never just let go of things. It's too much work. I prefer to surrender because that's the best way for me to um, progress. And so promptly and without regret, I got to fling myself out of the plane and trust that I'm going to be caught, which indeed I was. And um, I have never once regretted any of the things that I've given up. And just to make sure that I don't regret, they often pop back up again, and I, and I have to do a tenth step. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not fooled, you know. I'm so attuned now because I do all the other things every day, you know, the 11-step inventory, 10 steps, all that stuff. I do that. I keep up with that. I prune that garden. I weed it out. Everything that doesn't belong, I get rid of it immediately so that as soon as something pops up, I'm, I, I, can't, I have a very low um, tolerance for um, discomfort now of that nature because I don't medicate with food. I don't medicate with alcohol or any of the other things that, that we pick up. Fine, and um, Thank you. I'll just wrap up. And so with that... Um, yeah, promptly and without regret, and that that'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy, for getting us started on the first paragraph on page 64. Um, so although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day. So that means if you share it on Thursday or Friday on any of the meetings, um, that you would hold back and let others share their experience. Who would like to share? Nessa R. Teresa P. Teresa P. Lauren M. Greg K. Kim G. Kim G. Okay, this is who I heard. Let me know if I missed someone. Nessa R. Teresa P. Lauren M. A. Craig K and Kim G. Was there anyone else? Katie G. Katie G. Platt E from UK. 
and Claire E. Okay, that's a good lineup. Let's get started with Nessa R. followed by Teresa P. Hi, this is uh, Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. You know, we have learned that uh, the greater aspect of our disease uh, centers in our minds. And, you know, to me, that's the way I think. Um, you know, the way I think that kept me in, in, in self-pity and uh, victimhood, um, you know, blaming others. And so I find step four very, very empowering um, because it gets me, gets me out of that by teaching me a different way of thinking. Um, you know, this is a way of thinking where I am responsible for my life. You know, my sponsor taught me that when I have a problem, I am the problem. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, that's kind of self-defeating, you know, especially for, you know, for, for I guess, for a woman that we're always beating ourselves up and why do I need to beat myself up some more? But to me, that's empowering because if I, if I am the problem, I can do something about it. But if I'm just a victim of your actions, I cannot do anything about you and I remain a victim. So, you know, step four is the beginning um, of a new set of skills that teach me um, a different mode of thinking so that I no longer um, am at the mercy of other people so that other people no longer dominate, dominate me. If I see that my difficulties, as it says, <clears throat> In, uh, in the step three prayers, my difficulties are the fact that I process everything through a selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and fearful lens. Um, then I can I can work on that, but I have to identify it first, and this is why I have to do a step four. It's just a very very empowering step. Uh, nothing to to be fearful of at all. You know, if anything, um, I should be excited because this is the beginning of the solution of all my problems, not just the food problem, but all my problems. You know, when I look at things from my perspective, from what I've done and how I've contributed, um, you know, that just gives me um, a plan of action. Um, but if I'm just sitting there doing nothing and all these bad things are done unto me, my gosh, that's a very hopeless, helpless, uh, discouraging, despairing way to live. So um, I'm very grateful that uh, not only I've learned this set of skills, but I practice them every day. And I would say that by and large, uh, my difficulties um, have been taken away um, because I think now um, according to the guidelines that I have learned here. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. Okay, Teresa P., you're up, followed by Lauren M. Hi, I'm Teresa, recovered compulsive reader in uh, California. And uh, one more time, another one of those great paragraphs, and it's so appropriate for me at at this time. I have recently have, uh, been directed to redo the steps, and uh, it's been a fact-finding and eye-opening uh, experience. Um, I am seeing more in myself and uh, definitely want to blame other people. You know, gosh, my husband leaves stuff everywhere and he makes messes. I mean, I go through and clean up and then I look at it mess there, mess there, and I start getting irritated. Just like, why can't he stop that? Well, let's see, I've been married to him 50 years and 
He's been doing this for 50 years. And you know, he's probably not going to stop anytime soon. <laughs> and uh, so the, what is so empowering about this is that, you know, I get to look at my part, you know, and I get to um, choose what I'm going to focus on. And, 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 and it's just, and it, it is hard. Because I'm a thinker and I think, think, think. And, you know, I, there's things I'm just powerless over. You know, my brain just keeps, keeps busy. But what I can do is look at it and go, okay, I'm thinking again. Now, what can I do about this? Well, I'm, I'm you know, just like that stuff just pops into my brain. But what I can do is, you know, give it to God. Okay, you know, I'm powerless over that. I'm powerless over everything but myself. And um, everything outside my hula hoop. And it's just like, all righty, what can I do? I do not want to spend my day running around cleaning up after him. And uh, so I get to choose, you know, to just not, you know, not do that. And so what can I do about me? And uh, yesterday I got it. I got to escape the fear. I actually went out. Uh, we live on a an acre little horse ranching farm, which I have my horse on, and my husband has many other animals now. So what I get to do is look at mine. Uh, what I'm doing, I haven't uh, groomed this horse in oh shoot a year or so, whatever. So I did. I went out there, and it's just like I'm moving in slow motion. And but you know, I I did. Um, and I think he's so happy to, to, you know, have me with him. He wants to hug me, and so I get to hug him. And, you know, it's just like, it was, it was beautiful, but I was so exhausted. I mean, I could hardly move. I spent the rest of the day almost just basically in bed, hardly moving. But, you know, what? good Time, please. Thank you for letting me share. I just want to wrap up with saying I enjoy this. And I got to enjoy my horse. Thank you for letting me share my dad. Thank you, um, Teresa. And now we'll have Lauren Ann followed by Craig K. Thank you, Katie. Lauren Ann, Compostable Burrito Sugar Addict from New York. Wow, step four really helped me recover and discard uh, some of my bad habits and my bad belief, or not bad, but my sick beliefs, the beliefs that I was the worst, that nobody else was worse than me. It was all about me. I was, I am, and still under every layer of, I keep finding more ways that I play the victim in my life. And it's a, it's, thank God, it's just a work in progress. And I get to live every single day the best possible way as God would have me be. And as you all who are gods with skin would have me be kind and loving towards everybody else. And knowing that I am just another bozo on the bus that I do as well as I can do when I try and do it 
that way or when I hold on to God's hand and ask him to help me do better. I'm able to give away and get rid of and discard a lot of my my negative, nasty um, thoughts and feelings because I'm able to hold on to all what this program gives and what you have all taught me every single day, do my 10, 11, and 12 to be of service to others, to keep working these steps like my hair is on fire and remembering that I am not the worst. I am not the best. I am just middle of the pack. And as the middle of the pack, I can only do what I need to do to stay in in this place and to be surrendered every day. And know that I have no control over my thoughts and my feelings, but I can I can pray for them to go away. And with that, I pass and I'm open for feedback. Ah, sorry. With that, I pass. Bye. Thank you so much, Lauren. Okay, Craig K., you're up, followed by Kim G. Hi, Greg K. from Maine. Can I be heard? Yes, Greg. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for your service, moderator. Thanks to everybody who shared. Ah, the fourth step. Uh, what a terrifying prospect that was initially, um, because I just, I already thought of myself as such a huge piece of shit that I want, didn't want to dig through all the, uh, the refuge of my past, but oh my God, what a liberating, uh, freeing process it is. And, uh, the best part is, is now the first two columns don't even matter. All that really matters is why am I disturbed? And then the kicker is where is my part in it? Now, I didn't ask to be abused when I was a kid. I didn't ask to be molested when I was a kid. So, uh, you know, there's no dishonesty. There's no selfishness there. Um, However, you know, allowing those events to to shape how I feel about myself and how I interact with life, you know, that's that's where I'm selfish, that's where I'm dishonest, that's where the fear comes in. Uh, you know, my sponsor, he's a stand-up guy, but he's right to the point. He's like, it doesn't matter what happened to you. None of that stuff really matters. And uh, he's right. He's absolutely right. It doesn't matter how many beatings I got or anything else. I mean, that stuff's important to me. Uh, but the more I hold on to it, the sicker I am. And putting that shit down, oh, God. It, it's got to be like what somebody feels like getting out of prison. I've, I don't know. I've never been. But to me, that it, it's just, it seems like it has to be that. And, and it's scary digging through all that stuff. But um, it's what the process requires. And it's, it's so liberating to find out that, you know, look, I'm not a piece of shit. Stuff happened. I did stuff I'm not proud of, but uh, doesn't make me more or less than anybody else. Doesn't mean God loves me more or less. Well, I always thought less. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just like everybody else. No better, no worse. Like somebody else said, middle of the pack. And uh, love the 10th and 11th step, man. Those are lifesavers today. Uh, I get still stuff that crops up. I have to 10th step the crap out of the same thing often. But uh, 
It's a process. Thanks for letting me speak. Have a great day. Thank you, Greg K. And Kim G, you're up, followed by Katie G. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey, and I've been recovered since January 2011. And I love this line. Uh, um, <sighs> business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. So, so here were some of my misunderstandings about the steps. You know, I thought the inventory was just step four. And what we're going to learn here is the inventory process is four through nine. That's the skill set that's going to get us unblocked so this mental twist is removed and we no longer want, it, want those binge foods. Another misunderstanding was that in step three, I turn my life and my will over to God. I, I don't have the ability to do that in step three. What I'm doing is I'm making a decision to learn how to do that. How do I learn how to do that? It's four through nine. And when do I do that? It's actually in 10 and 11. So when it says a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke, they're really, in my, my experience, talking about learning the skill set and actually doing 10 and 11. You know, if somebody goes to nursing school and, and takes all the classes and passes the boards but never goes in the hospital, do they really feel like a nurse? I mean, that to me is like doing four through nine and never doing 10 and 11. You know, there's many professions, doctors, lawyers. Um, I happen to have a master's in accounting, and I did not get a CPA. Why? Because I don't want continuing education. A lot of professions require continuing education to stay current. That's what 10 and 11 is. I'm not going to stay recovered unless I lean into those steps. You know, I remember um, an AA speaker, Bob D., asking a group he was talking to how many are in their first 30 days. But what really hit me was he said, how many of you are in your last 30 days? And he said, the problem is we don't know, which is why we have to lean into these steps. You know, I, I have people call. We can't hear you, Kim. Okay, that the man started to talk. So I have people yeah. that will call me and, and they'll be restless, irritable, discontent. And I'll say, well, where are you at in your steps? And they'll say, well, I'm living in 10, 11, and 12. And I said, okay, well, what does that look like for you on a daily basis? And often, not only can they not, they can't even describe what 10 and 11 is, let alone are doing it. And I have to tell you, I've been leading these little five-week workshops, little closed workshops from 10 and 11, and it has been a spiritual feast. As I see people have 10 and 11, this regular inventory go from a theory to an experience. I get to see what Bill Saul and Ebby, I get to see people fresh skin and glowing and something different about their eyes. Why? Because they take this skill set of four through nine and they're making it a part of their daily practice. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim and Katie G. You're up, followed by Claire E. Hey, Katie F. Thanks for taking the meeting. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G. Recovered in Boston. You know, this is this is what separates us from Weight Watchers, right? So I'm in a prison, and the prison is my mind, right? I have damaged and unsaleable goods. And I have to tell you, if you've been in a lot of the drama about step four and you're scared step four is going to make you eat and all that stuff, 
it stopped. Like this, this is telling me, this is a fact-finding and fact-facing process to discover, to become aware of what my values are. You know, as an addict, I'm really good at presenting to you, at talking to you about my, what my values are. But y'all have taught me that my feet are telling you what my values are. And this is just a fact. And this is not my part. Nowhere in the big book is it saying, let me look at my part. And nowhere in the big book is it saying, give me the story. It's saying, give me the facts. So a lot of times when I talk with people, I think about saying, okay, just pretend you told me the whole story. And then tell me what you're so angry about. We have to get down to these items, right, that they're not working anymore. The selfishness, self-centeredness, that self-centered fear that drove me to hold people hostage, that drove me to make sure I'm valuable by getting your approval and, and being the best and being number one, that doesn't work anymore. These are things that are no longer um, working. Like if my phone breaks, I'm the first person in the front row saying, give me a new phone. So that's the same thing. And I, I love the, what I'm hearing this morning about continuing because it means that I have to set aside everything I think I know. Hey, I'm recovered, you guys, but I'm just recovered for these 24 hours. And I need to eat humble pie every single day and have people tell me, Katie, that behavior that you just took, what do you, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? I have my trusted God squad that bring to my attention things that I don't think are broken. I'm like, well, that's just how I've always done it. And the honor and the dignity and grace of learning how to be a person in this world is what these steps are about. Like, I don't want to be broken anymore. I don't want to walk around with the rage that I used to have. I used to hate people so much that I would tell my friends, I hate people. And then I'd be like, I don't care. And I had no social skills. And I thought it was okay to walk up to people, whoever you were, and tell you, I don't really like what you have. I don't really want what you have. I don't really think you're a great person. And thanks be to God today, I don't have to do that. I can be one among many. I can sit with all of you. And most importantly, I can get rid of what? The things that block me from who? God. And how do I do it? Only through inventory. Only through inventory can I uncover, discover, and discard the things that God's ready to get rid of so I can have that relationship with him and continue. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And now Claire E's up, and then we'll open it up for more shares on page 64, the first paragraph. Thanks, everybody. My name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in the UK. Um, maybe last this paragraph being said because I'm um, just cursing out my, <laughs> I call my. Oops, we can't hear you, Claire. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, perfect. Okay, so I don't know where you got that, but anyway, my name's Terry. I'm a compulsive eater recovered in the UK. Um, so it makes me smile this paragraph today because I'm just turning out the cupboard, which, as I said, I say I call it my Armageddon cupboard, and it's just stashes and stashes of things. And um, this paragraph has actually been reverberating in my brain all morning, going just just fascinated. You know, get rid of, don't kid yourself about values, just get rid of it. So, um, so that it was this paragraph today made me laugh. And um, what it makes me think of with inventory, you know, going back to page 62, it says, you know. Oh, we're not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, our self-pity. It's you know 
selfishness is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So I need to get down to this. You know, I need to get it's the causes and conditions, you know, fact-finding and fact-facing, searching and fearless. I need to find out what's driving all that stuff. Um, it, I have to discover the truth about the stocking trade because it doesn't serve me. You know, it's been, it, it, the self-reliance and the self-will I've been running on all my life is taking me back over and over and over again to the food and it's making me miserable and unhappy. And the fact is I can't see the truth about myself. You know, I just can't see it. I need the process of inventory, uh, somebody else, God, helping me to actually go through those columns and really look at it, you know, from a, from a different perspective um, in terms of what is it that is not serving me. You know, and what I discovered with my inventory is, is that there's so many patterns, you know, the play. The play, there was different actors the whole time, but the repetitive behaviours and attitudes that totally didn't serve me were, were repeated over and over again in different situations. And like someone said, it, it was empowering. It was empowering. Um, and I've done several tours over my years. A lot of them were um, just dirges of me complaining about things. But, you know, my more recent one since I started working it in a big book way is, is to, to, to really sort of look at as in a very objective way, what is it about me that doesn't work? Um, and then it's just to disclose, you know, to disclose the damaged unsaleable goods. You know, that's step five. Disclose it to someone else. Talk about it with someone else. Get someone else's perspective. Learn that I'm not that terrible. You know, everybody's got this stuff. It's just I, more importantly than a lot, have to get rid of it because it doesn't serve me. It takes me back to food. And then, you know, without get rid of them promptly and without regret. And for me, that kind of would, would sort of signify step six and seven. You know, I need to see these things as, as objectable and I need to ask God to remove them from me. Um, I can't do that for myself. If I could do it for myself, I wouldn't be here. Um, so it's an absolutely, I cannot fool myself about values. I cannot hold on to stuff that I want to hold on to. Um, just, you know, old resentments, old fears. You know, I have to be willing to go to any length to just have this stuff removed and be honest about it and be realistic and have perspective about about myself. Um, and I, I said, I can't do that by myself. I have to have the help of a higher power and another human being. And I'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you, Claire, so much. Okay, so as I said, we're on page 64, the first paragraph, therefore, we started upon. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in, other that, uh, in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Chuck Jen A. A. Kim A. K. Jen A. Kathy C. Kathy C. Morning. Bonnie B. Bonnie B? Yep. Okay. Okay. Let, let me tell you. I'm sorry. What was the first name? Seneca? Yep. Seneca T in Fort Worth. Okay. Let me tell you who I heard. Chuck K, Jen A, someone else A, I think. Kathy C, Bonnie B, and Seneca T. Who is the one after Jen A? This is Kim A. I'm the, the someone else A. <laughs> Yes, you are, Kim. It did begin with an A. K. Thank you so much. Okay, let's go Thank with that. Um, Chuck K, Jen A, Kim A, Kathy C, Bonnie B, and Seneca T. Chuck K, please go ahead. Hey, good morning. This is Chuck from Georgia. I hope everybody's having a good Monday morning. And I really enjoyed everything I've heard this morning, and it's so important. You know, I'm going through the big book. I've spent several chapters in steps one, two, and three, and now here's where the rubber meets the road. 
And what I'm asked to do is to finally be honest with myself. The problem is I don't know how to be honest. I have been so dishonest in my life. I don't even know how to begin. And so when we break apart step four, we've got the four columns in each inventory. We've got the, the part that I'm usually stuck in, which is who they are and what they did to me. And before program, that's where I spent my life every single day. To anybody that would talk to me, I would complain about who they were and what they did. And then the magic begins to occur in, in part three and four. Where, how have I been affected? What's my part? How do my character defects come to the surface? And, you know, we're going to learn later in the book, we've got something we can do with that information. There's nothing that we can do about column one and two. That's the part we have to accept. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems. So that tells me no matter what they do, I have to accept them. I have to treat them as a sick person. Now, there are things that, you know, that we've talked, that we could talk about that really you don't have a part in and that kind of thing. But, but most of the harms or resentments that I have in this world are all twirling around in my mind. And so as I begin to look at my part in these things, that's when I'm being honest with myself. That's when I'm seeing who I am, what kind of person I can be when I let this character defect-driven life rule in my life. And then as I begin to apply the steps, you know, we go through 6, 7, 8, 9, and then be living in 10, 11, and 12 and, um, and, and enjoying recovery, I can start seeing how I, another person that I can be. You know, we talked the other week about another side of God and finding that other side of God that we may not have known for those that were religious before program. Well, I can find another side of me. There's another Chuck that is a kind, generous, warm, loving person. Not the one that's going to find fault with everyone. Not the one that's going to pick and tease and aggravate everybody around him. That's the Chuck being led by, by his character defects. So these are wonderful experiences. Please remember when we're doing these step fours. It's not about who they are or what they've done. It's about how am I affected. It's about where am I at fault. And then I get to build on this skill every single day, just like I'm learning to swim, just like I'm learning to ride a bike. The more I do, the better I get. And so I'm real thankful to have this plan. I'm thankful that it was written in the way that it was so that I could finally learn how to be honest with myself and those around me. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Chuck. Okay, Jenna, you're up, followed by Kim A. Thanks so much, Katie. Thanks for taking the meeting and for your service again. My name is Jen A, and I'm recovered today by God's grace and mercy here in Littleton, Colorado. And uh, I just want to welcome the newcomer um, today to a Vision for You Big Book study. You know, we're in the chapter How It Works, and, um, you know, when I first came into the rooms and we started reading workbooks and all this other stuff, I was like, oh, this is where I dig in. No, this is how it works once you put the food down and you've um, embarked on the journey with a sponsor. You know, it says it's a personal inventory, yes, but, it, you know, it says to me this, this regular inventory, um, I, I do need to do it with someone. Um, and because in step five, I'm going to give it away to somebody. Um, and, and right before this paragraph, it's key for me to remember that um, the food was but a symptom. So I'm getting down to causes and conditions, and I'm going to do it in the inventory process of discovering the truth. The truth about what? The truth about me. I'm going to get rid of anything that's useless. 
um, my thoughts, my ideas, my selfishness, and my self-centeredness. Um, that's what was defeating me. Um, and I get to discover the truth. And yeah, it is really hard to look at the truth. But when I look at the truth, whether I'm running a one through seven or I'm doing a four-step inventory the first time I go through the steps, I get to see what's really on the shelf in my department store. You know, when I go into a grocery store, um, they're constantly stocking the shelves. You know, it's kind of an inconvenience as we're going through the store and people in boxes and things in the way if you shop as early as I do. And what I am always remembering is, is they're pulling the older product forward so that it can be seen and they're putting the newer, fresher to the back, right? And they're constantly recycling and moving and rearranging and, and reevaluating the shelves. And if the dates are bad, they're pulling the stuff off. They're taking it out so that you don't buy it because it's not good. It's going to make you sick. And so for me, that's what this process is. It's keeping the sick things and the thoughts and the self-centeredness and all of that out of my mind and out of my heart so that today I can show up a lot differently. I love what a woman said this morning. You know, she's not the same person that she was before she came in. Me neither. Shock horror, people, right? I get to discover this. And last but not least, I'll just say this for those of us who continue to go through the steps. You know, it tells us that I have to do this again and again and again. Takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. If I want to know why 10 and 11 and 12 aren't working for me on a daily basis, maybe it's because I need to go back and do it again. Maybe with a different sponsor, maybe with the same sponsor. But I know that every year that I do these steps, I uncover, discover, and learn more about myself to give away to God, to say, God, just continue to make and mold and shape my heart the way you would have it be. And that's the beautiful process in which I can show up being a recovered woman today with God's grace and mercy. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen. Okay, Kim A., you're up, followed by Kathy C. Hi, good morning. This is Kim A. from New York. For 18 years in this program, I was a chronic relapser. And I either just couldn't get abstinent or I just couldn't stay abstinent. And I thought it was because my food plan wasn't right or because I wasn't weighing and measuring good enough or because I wasn't avoiding the right ingredients or because, you know, I wasn't working hard enough to avoid certain situations where food was the focal point. Whatever it was, it just it kept me tied into my obsession with food. And when I found a sponsor to take me through the steps as they're written in the big book, what I came to realize was, you know, I'm not binging because I'm not weighing and measuring enough. I'm not binging because of any particular ingredient. I'm not binging because of, you know, not a right food plan. I'm binging because I'm not addressing these causes and conditions. Because every time I would, quote, unquote, put the food down and I didn't address the real reason I compulsively ate, I was putting my solution to life down. I was getting rid of the one thing that was bringing me ease and comfort. And so I would eventually go right back into my selfishness, and I wasn't able to stay abstinent. And so when I was able to address these causes and conditions, it gave me this opportunity. And, you know, step four always for me came with this, like, huge black cloud over it because it was this, like, emotional overhaul, like, look at how I suck. No, that's not what step four is. That's not what's intended to be. Step four is, as people said, just kind of a fact-facing inventory. And in step five, my sponsor helps me see 
where all of these resentments are because I'm selfish. I'm pissed because the world isn't doing what I want it to. All of my fears are selfish because I'm going to lose something that I have or not get something I want or because I did something dishonest and I'm afraid I'm going to get caught. That I did all of these harms to people out of fear, which is selfishness, out of, um, you know, dishonesty, out of whatever the reason was. And I could justify anything. I was like a brilliant justifier. But none of that matters. What matters is that these things caused me to eat. So until I did a proper step four, not step four the way Kim thinks it should be or not the way that it makes mo more sense, but no, when I do the step four, as the people who recovered did it, then I don't have to worry about sugar. I don't have to worry about weighing and measuring. I don't have to worry about a food plan because I'm taking away the reasons that I went to food for ease and comfort. And my ease and comfort comes from working steps 10, 11, and 12 every single day and continuing to grow. But the setup for that is in four and five. And that's why that's like the foundation because I can't be ready to or be humble enough to ask God to, to remove my character defects if I don't truly understand how my defects made my life unmanageable. Not how my husband made my life unmanageable or my job. No, how my expectations and my need to live in self-pity and my need to twist it so either I suck or the world sucks. That's all my selfishness. That's what makes me eat. So step four was, it's not fun. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it is so enlightening and freeing. And, um, you know, when we look at it that Thank way, and when I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Kim A. in New York. Thank you, Kim. Kathy C., you're up, followed by Bonnie B. Good morning. This is Kathy C. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. Yeah, you know, the, um, the idea for me, uh, step four, the uh, fact-finding fact and fact-facing process. So it is a process. Uh, it's an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. So that's really the truth within myself. It's to see and to disclose the, the damaged and unsellable goods, meaning really like my, you know, personality uh, traits. And here they're going to tell us, you know, there's like four of them, selfishness, right, dishonesty, self-seeking, and the fear. Um, and then how they can manifest themselves into my, into my actions, how I behave. So I can only change what I could see. And... Once we get them on paper, we're able to share it with someone, the transformation starts. I, I don't know how it happened, but it just happened. But I can tell you that I found God there. Somehow, I got God's vision. I had to. I had to see things differently. This is where I, I started to get that change. I started to, to transform and see, huh. So it's really within myself, all this, all this calamity, all this, you know, guesswork, all this, um, you know, this suffering, this pain, the thought process really is within myself. And the idea here is that we are self-centered, so we have to become 
other-centered, right? And God helps us. So I first have to see how I am self-centered so I could see, yeah, this is not working. And when I start to change how I look at things, you know, the things that I look at change so they don't bother me as much. I'm able to see differently and have a different point of view and just focus on how I can have God right here, right now. How can I access God? Because that's the idea. I want that spiritual awakening. So I have to work on accessing God here. First, I have to clear what's keeping me stuck. I don't know I was stuck. Does it matter? Just, I just had to do it. Just like, you know, taking step three. I just wanted to change. I wanted to get out of this, whatever it was. I didn't know what it was. Now I know after, you know, doing this step. But I just go ahead. I just went ahead, put one foot in front of the other, and do what just was in front of me as best as I can. And so the idea is really so we can clear, we can open, and we could see things differently because our mind is where the issues are thinking, you know, what I think you should do, he should do, this is not right. No, again, I'm playing God. I think I know better. How can I know better than God and then what is? I need help seeing the truth. Um, and God helps me. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, Bonnie B., you're up, followed by Seneca T. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Thank, thank you so much. Bonnie B. from Minnesota, so grateful to be on the line this morning. Thank you for service, everyone. And, oh, my word, the shares. <laughs> Overwhelming at times. Step four for me was um, terrifying, absolutely crippling, to the point where I sat on the shelf for a while. Um, but I'll tell you, and I, I tell everyone that I speak with and the sponsors that I have now, it's the most liberating thing you will ever, ever do. Um, it is truly just a fact-finding mission. I couldn't understand that because to me it felt like I was having to reveal everything I've ever done, everything in my closet. Um, and as a, a professed Christian woman, that was terrifying. Um, but someone was kind enough to share with me. You know, Initially when I had heard selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful, I couldn't put myself into a lot of those categories for some reason. But someone was kind enough to share with me sheets that broke those definitions down. And there were 20, 25 different um, adjectives under each one of those words. And that's where I began to see myself. That's where I began to see my part in all of this. Um, this has been, you know, this was stated earlier today, but it was my experience prior to doing step four and then living in step 10, I could not get out of columns one, two, and three. I wanted to because I was in lockdown in my head. It was literal bondage for me. I wanted to think the best. I wanted to believe the best. But until I was introduced to step four and I saw my part, I could not get out of columns one, two, and three. That was liberation for me. Within 15 seconds now, I can go through one, two, and three and, and see my part and be on the phone. And what would I do without this group? I don't know. Because it is a wee thing. I get on the phone to do a 10-step and, and people pull me back from the edge of a precipice. They speak life over me. They help me to see the truth as I'm speaking out my 10th step. They just bring life back into a situation that in my head is going to take me back to where I don't want to go because this is a thinking disease. This is not a food disease. It's not a weight disease. It's not a weight and a measuring disease. It's a thinking disease. And if I stay in the wrong column, it's death for me. And so even though step four is terrifying, um, on the front end, there is nothing like it. I was speaking with someone last night who had reached out, and she was doing her step four this morning, and she was 
she was overwhelmed. Well, actually, her stepside gave me away. And I shared the same thoughts with her. It's just a fact-finding mission. What you're going to find out is that every single one of us have done the majority of the things that you have done plus more. You're just going to get mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm from us, nothing else. And that's the most beautiful part. I get to identify in because I'm with a group of people that get me for the first time ever. And I could not be more grateful or thankful for this program, for this process. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, everyone. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Bonnie B. And our last share today will be Seneca T. Hey, this is Seneca T from Fort Worth. Wow, I get to share on the fourth step. All right. Uh, Therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. Mm. A business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. And one object is to disclose damaged or unsellable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. So here we go. This is Seneca. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Fort Worth, Texas. By the grace of God, I am recovered today. Step four gives me the courage to face my stuff. It gives me the freedom to tell the food, fuck off. I am a recovering compulsive overeater because of that, because I finally realized there is a God and I ain't it. I'm, I'm not in these rooms to be nothing more than recovered by the grace of God today. So seeing that a thorough fourth step allows me if I don't if I don't take I'm sorry a thorough fourth step I allow myself to stay on the throne and when I'm on the throne food's up there too the only way to get free is to write it out to use this anonymous program and to say it it takes courage to face that I was in years of molestation since I was five and no that's not my fault but guess what there are things that are my fault. And if I don't face my shit, I'm going to stay in it. If I don't face the fact that I gave away the fact that I had an abortion at 19 and I was in a gospel choir, y'all, for real, me, yes, I did. Cheated on my husband for years. And, you know, it was only until I had the bravery, the courage to say it that I get free from that food. That's the realization of it. We can talk about everybody do this, everybody do that. There, I don't have a hell to put you in. You don't have a hell to put me in. But this food does. And the reality is, is that it is hard to say that I laughed at racist jokes before. Yes, they were funny. Not anymore, not today. But yes, I was addicted to porn for years. I've been to jail for kicking somebody's ass. Yes, me. And you know what? I got a chance to get it out, and I got a chance to get free, and I got that chance today. This step keeps me humble. It tells me, you ain't God. You're going to be imperfect. I'm going to do this program imperfect. But if I get this food down on paper, if I give it to a sponsor, if I got a sponsor I'm lying to, that's the wrong damn sponsor. Get another one. There's 8,000 people on that list. Call somebody. Get free. This disease kills more people than any other disease. It's a subtle son of a bitch. Believe that step two works. Time, please. Okay. And I am wrapping up by saying God has restored me to sanity today. 
and can do the same thing. Ain't nobody perfect. Get that step four down. Go be the light. Thank you for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Seneca, and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour study immediately following closing. The share ID for today on Monday, June 14th, 7 a.m. meeting is 17,147. That's 17147. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Marge O. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, all. Thank you very much for allowing me to do this service. That's Marge O. recovered today. I'm in Washington, D.C., flying back to Boston. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the spirit, in the fellowship of the spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. <laughs>